listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. Send in your question or comment. To participate in the show, you can text or call 757-774-8482. Or to email the show, you can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and send your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. Welcome to the show. It's the Fret Files Podcast, the Guitar Tech Podcast. My name is Eric Daw, a longtime guitar builder and repairman, and today's co-host is Nat. Hello, Nat. Hello. Thanks for welcoming me. Well, welcome back. Thank you. You I haven't been on the show for a while. No, probably. You've been in Europe. A good month. Yep, I went over. It was nice. Where were you, Austria? I was only in Austria. I stopped in, actually, I stopped in Paris for about three or four hours. Yeah. Hmm. Just for kicks. Just to get a little beret smoke some cigarettes you, you know. did not no i didn't i did i did go to a pretty good deli um and i did have uh what do you call those a macaron i don't know and a coffee I yeah did. got back on the thing it was great i did a little hiking and i had a great time good well welcome back to the show oh thank you i appreciate it i missed it nat will read the questions and i'll try to answer them <laughs> that's I'm, how it goes it, well it goes that way if everything goes according to the way your your wishes are that's, I don't yeah. have any wishes I yeah. try to keep my expectations low you're a shell of a man well you jumped right into it and I'll try to follow up yeah yeah you did the thing but did you say anything about drawing on your experience no I. you said long time I'll try well how about this what's on your bench lately Eric what is on my bench? What have you seen me working on? You've been you my know, guitars, Matt, several, Matt, several. Yeah, that's my true. guitars. Yeah, working on your eight guitar. or ten of mine, and I feel bad. Nat generally works with me on Fridays when he's not in Europe. I do when I can. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, we have we have lunch. We get tacos, which is really the important part of the day. We whistle along to music. Yeah, and then uh, we do whatever needs to be done. I am in the middle of a few refinishes that I wish I hadn't taken on, but, you know, that's how it goes with refins. Yeah, you you just kind of forget after a while, and you say, well, oh, shoot, come on back. What happens is somebody says, hey, I've got this 57 telly that I really, you're the guy to make it look right, mm-hmm. and it's that's hard to turn down. It's flattering. It's easy to turn down a 97, you know, pointy thing, made in Mexico telly. Oh, like, no, I'm not going to do that. Sorry. But the 57, like, whoa, I am emotionally invested in making that yeah. guitar look right again. Yeah, let's see this. And plus, yeah. you you have to protect its legacy. Yeah. We're so this together. there's a few of those kicking around, refins. I've been uh, working on a lot of a lot of acoustic guitar uh, pickup installs lately. You have. I have seen that. And. And I think they've been pretty dang nice guitars. Yeah, a couple Santa Cruz guitars. Yeah, those you don't see every day in Idaho. Some, some Martins. Mm-hmm. I've been working on a really nice old 40s Martin for a guy that, gosh, it looks like it just rolled around in the back of a pickup truck for 50 years. Yeah, it's nice got, in what way? Well, it, nice in the sense <laughs> that it was once nice. Yeah. And it will be it, nice-ish again. Uh, but there's so many holes to patch, and it needs a bridge and tuners and a neck reset and frets, and mm-hmm. it needs everything. All the braces are loose. There's, I mean, yep. gosh, there was probably six holes punched in it. Yeah, the Lost Cause Martin came to your bench. You know, the amazing thing is a lot of the punctures, um, all the fragments were still there inside, like an, ex- like an imploded, uh, how can I describe this? Yeah, just like a clean shattered punch. and then and then I was able to press all the wood back into place, you know. Yeah, what was going? We have no idea. It really is egregious. 
what yeah. what this thing what whatever was going on. Yeah, like some bored uh eight year olds used it for target practice or something. It was strange. And you know what? It sounds cool. I always I like to thump on guitars, you know, and see what they sound like. And these old guitars are kinda like um I don't know, an old uh violin or something. They have this really thin, this resonant vellum sound, like this papery skin sound i don't know yeah that's a maybe that's a strange description but no this lively thing that's a little bit papery a little bit dead but loud it's interesting that era of martin they're so under braced like the braces are scalloped and the that braces are sense. so thin um that they're really resonant but yeah, also, it's like this lampshade stuff you yeah, know what i mean I, this vellum just, kind of idea yeah um and they went to thicker braces, you know, and, and people seem to lament that, that that changeover. Everybody wants a scalloped mm-hmm. brace, vintage Martin. But the thing is, there's a reason that they went to heavier braces. You dang skippy. Those mm-hmm. guitars uh, are just barely braced enough. So they they distort and crack and... and uh, Boy, they sure sound good. Yeah, they're cool. <laughs> they sure sound now, good. They, did they have any kind of warranty department in those days? Martin has always said they have a lifetime warranty if you're the original owner. Okay. But yep. it seems to me about five or ten years ago they they came out and said, we no longer do neck resets for free. They just have to. As a, as a lifetime yeah. warranty thing. They can't do that. No, I guess not. You know, there was a guy in Salt Lake City who ran a shop called Local Music. Uh, I can't remember the address. Oh, it's probably about 800 South, 700. Nobody cares. East, but he was a fun, he's a neat guy and he did some Luther rising and he had done some bracing on these old Martins, you know, those, um, kind of like the one that I've got that, that, um, is it triple out body or whatever it is? I, yeah. The H1, you'd know. You'd know. We should ask you sometime. But anyway, for an interesting experiment, he purposefully made these underbraced. He wanted to see the limits and expected them to implode. Yeah. And it, just on these old Martins, he thought he could do that. And Do you mean um, harmonies? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, harmonies. Dang it. Okay. I wish you had a button to edit. Yeah, that. well, you know. The, Shoot. Mart's, uh, yeah, there's a big difference between Martins and Harmonies. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> well, yeah. shoot. That would have been a pretty good story if I had prefaced it correctly with... Well, you kept saying Martins, and I... Yeah, darn it. They, you know, So he took Harmonies... He took those... And underbraced them... Yes. Just to see he, how they would sound. Yep. I and, think he rendered them limb from limb, too. And how did they sound? Uh, I think they were loud and good. Yeah. And, and and then they would implode. And then they would implode. Yeah, yeah. They'd sure. Apart. Yeah, can't wait to see how you edit that. I'm not gonna. That's too bad. It's not my podcast. <laughs> hey, I somebody got, else's problem. Uh, I know one other thing that was on your bench for a microsecond. That really neat, uh, torrified. What do you call that when the things are baked? That oh, the baked, roasted. Yeah, roasted custom guitar I just made. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. That was on your bench for a microsecond. Roasted ash body. Mm-hmm. Roasted flame maple neck. And that, and this is so kind of... So double roasted. Almost right? like an amber rosewood looking body kind of for a second. You know, this neat grain and this deep color. Anyway, that was a cool guitar. Yeah, the roasting darkens the wood quite a bit and mm-hmm. it also lightens it up quite a bit. Yeah, takes all the... Water some, right out of some it. of the weight, I guess, just turns to smoke. I don't know. Yeah, it does. Uh, but that guitar ended up being five and a half pounds. Yeah. Just I ridiculously light. Just super light. Yeah. Well, that was a neat one. It was fun. That was a fun deal. I've never made a double roasted custom like that. It was neat. Yeah, that was totally cool. It was very fun. I tell you what, though, we've got a call. Should we take a call? We really should. All right. Let's see who's on the line. I think it's from the UK. Hi, Eric, and possibly Nat. Yay! Uh, it's Ben here in the UK. I hope you're well. I've got a question about 
uh, electronics in a pedal steel guitar. Oh boy. Um, I play a bit of pedal steel and I've got a single pickup Williams here. I was looking at some of the Esquire schematics that you've got in the solid sound book. Cause oh, I was thinking of thank you. trying to adapt them to my steel. Cause at the moment it doesn't have any, any controls at all, but I wanted to put a volume on it, volume hmm. control and a tone control. So I thought while I'm at it, I could put a switch in there and maybe use some of the Esquire stuff. But my question really was about things like pop values because the, the pickup in there, obviously it's massive because it's a pedal steel. So it's like a 20K yeah, they really uh, are. resistance on it, big output. What value, volume pot and tone pot do you think I should start with? Um, obviously, I was going to experiment, but if you went, ah, oh, you need a one meg pot or something like that, uh, that'd be really useful. Uh, as ever, thanks for your help and uh, love the show. Right on. Thank you, Ben. Mm-hmm. Massive coil. Yeah. Did he say how many strings is on this thing? I think it's a 10-string Williams. So that's so that's why the coil's so massive, because it's... Oh, yeah, the yeah. big hurricane deals. Because the string spread is like, you know, six inches. Yeah, it is. they're substantial guitars. Well, that's kind of neat, playing one over there. Yeah. Uh, so it's a massive coil, so it ends up being a high output, but I guess they like them that way anyway, huh? I wonder if it's a humbucker. You think it, it's just a giant He said it coil? was single coil, and they do make humbuckers. I've yeah. got one in that pedal steel I got. Hmm. And, um... Is yours Williams? It is not. It was, uh, made by a guy that used to make Zane Beck. It is a BMI, Beck Musical Instruments, hmm. and it has a big old... Um, double coil humbucker. I was trying to see real quick on my fancy telephone what the resistance is on those fancy $300, those, you know, those pedals that make it a pedal steel? They don't no. come with the guitar. They make the volume pedal. Oh. <laughs> you know, I mean, they do have pedals, of course, um, but you have to get these fancy purpose-built passive volume yeah. pedals. And I was thinking... Maybe just that. Well, I mean, sure. Sure. Which, whatever whatever the resistance is on those um, things. So he's just got, there's no controls on it at all. It's just right. hard, pick up hardwire to the jack. Quarter inch jack. Yeah. Wow, that's far out. Yeah. If you were to add a volume and tone control, I would start with uh, one meg pots. Yeah. Because that's going to be the most transparent. Um, you know, just with with the pickup wired straight to the jack, you're just, you know, there is nothing impeding that pickup. It's just right. wide open, you know? And so you're saying not necessarily because of the high impedance of the pickup. It Just because it wouldn't change the sound as much as yeah. a 500K or a 250K. Would really be more in the circuit. And yeah, I bet you want those things really clean and clear. And so you can, you know, you pick those things with the volume pedal halfway so you can sustain it with that pedal. And you want it to sound good halfway. Do volume swells. Yeah. 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 And just with the high, the higher output pickup like that, I would, yeah. I would tend to recommend a, uh, a, a one meg pot anyway, because. A real high output pickup like that, um, you lose your high end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The more coil windings you have, and you want high end on a pedal steel. Oh yeah, you do. Yeah. So, uh, the one meg pots are going to retain as much high end as possible. Yeah. You well, might even want to put a uh, a treble uh, treble bleed cap. On the uh, volume pot there. I mean, that keeps the treble Yeah, as you roll it down. Yeah. Yeah, and I I don't know what they have in these fancy volume pedals, if they have something like that, but they're expensive. Yeah. Do they just have a single pot? Maybe they do, but that, that treble um, capacitor sounds like a good idea. Yeah. I like it. There you go, Ben. After these messages, we'll be right back. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Based in Waco, Texas, 
Apex Coffee Roasters searches the globe for the best coffee beans available, roasting them in-house to unlock the natural aromas and flavors that make each cup an individual experience. Order Apex Coffee online. Fret Files listeners can use the promo code PINUP at checkout to receive 10% off from ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. Hey, life happens. Coffee helps. ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. It's good stuff. You know PlayersGearMusic.com is the go-to place for neck heating irons or neck presses. We've been telling you about that for a long time. But you should really check out his effects pedals. Go to PlayersGearMusic.com. Rick over there makes custom guitar pedals, and he makes all kinds. They're so unique. Check them out. Uh, Distortion pedals, boosts, fuzz pedals. And sometimes they're in really unique um, containers. Sometimes they're uh, painted wild. you got to check it out. PlayersGearMusic.com. While you're there, look up the neck heating irons that he sells. It's the only place on earth that I'm aware of you can still buy one, and it's essential. It's essential in my shop. I use mine all the time. PlayersGearMusic.com. Check it out. Alrighty. We have call. Uh, no, we have. We did a call. We have. Uh, we have emails to we read. Have so many emails. Not that many, but let's do it. Letters. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. Hi, Eric Nat. It's slashed. I have a friend. I had a friend send me some photos of a Squire Strat- Stratocaster he was restringing for a customer and noticed a large chip in the body near the neck joint. The paint is very thick, and below that is a black surface that he believes is plastic. Oh no. He's also checked under the trim cover and jack plate and said that confirmed his belief. Wow. I did an online search and found someone else that believed their squire had a plastic body. Hmm. Do you or any of the listeners know of the squire plasticasters? See what he did? Coined a phrase. Yeah. By the way, Eric, thanks again for helping me out identify the old K Western special. Ooh, that sounds awesome. Oh, he was, yeah, he was posting a picture of a guitar he'd repaired on Instagram, and I Ooh, Western told him what I, what I thought it was. Man, that sounds great. I had a lovely text from the customer to say her mother-in-law burst into tears after hearing a clip of me playing it. Hmm. She hadn't heard it played since her father played it. He passed away years ago. She said my work restoring the grandfather's guitar has made the family so very happy. Wow. That's a great story. Regards, Andy of Wick Street Guitars, Daniloquin, Australia. He says Nashvillequin. Yeah. See that? It's a cool place. Daniloquin down under. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Andy. Uh I've never heard of a plastic-bodied squire. I don't think that you'd have a plastic-bodied squire. I think what they do is they have a plasticized undercoat, and it's almost like it's dipped. Is that right? Almost like it's dipped in some awful some thing, junk, some that, unholy thing. Yeah, I don't know if they spray it on or if because I've seen it before. Like you get a chip out of it, and the shiny paint chips away to a flat black undercoat that i'm pretty sure is an undercoat it's like bed liner or something from a truck i'd be curious to find if anybody's routed out their squire that has that black plastic undercoat when you route it out did it go through the black plastic and into wood yeah i hope it's not plastic all the way down what was the smoke like oh geez don't breathe it yeah it sounds awful. Yeah, I don't think that's. I don't think they're fully plastic bodies. I think it's just an undercoat. That's my opinion. Well, I wonder. I'm not an expert on squires. Yeah, you're not, huh? And hopefully, there is no such thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that guy's got it locked up. He's that Mister Squire expert. Well, good. For yeah. Him. Now, what would be the purpose? Some kind of uh, wood stabilization, or it's got to be the purpose is always to save money, huh? Well, yeah, it's probably. It probably preps this wood, pour fills it, and and it's it's like a self leveling yeah undercoat. They dip it in this goo in one awful act, yeah. and then it's ready to paint. I guess I don't know. You'd like to not think about it. Well, that's a good, interesting thing. I hope yeah. we get some. 
people reaching out with yeah. their expertise in squires. Yeah. All right, next question. Hey, well, will, you, will you read this one? This just came in under the wire. It's try. not on the paper. It's let's on the try. tablet. Don't drop my new tablet, okay? Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, I didn't even touch anything. Is he? Let's do this. As he fumbles it around. That's so hard. Hello! Yeah. I have a Gibson Les Paul special that is a fingerboard that is curling up off the neck near the nut. Oh, that's awful. I have attached photos. At first glance, it looks like... Uh, it looks like a typical, oops, I dropped my Gibson neck crack, but it runs pretty straight and does not widen when the neck is flexed. Well, that's strange. Normally, I wouldn't let this bother me. It's a good attitude there. But it is curling up enough that the high E string is pinging at the first fret, but no others, and goes away when I press on the first fret and further towards the body. What would you advise? My action is at Gibson factory standards, but I'm not totally opposed to bumping it up a bit. Would a new nut do the trick? Raising the saddle a touch? How about... Getting some glue in that crack and clamping it down. Thank you for your time and expertise. Oh, yeah. See those pictures? Yeah, I did. Well, you know, it, he's got a, a crack that runs just between the nut and the first fret. Yeah. And it just, it, it's basically the fingerboard is becoming unlaminated from the uh, neck. Yeah, it's kind of detaching. Weird. So guess what the solution is to that? Is it drastic? No. Well, I mean, he's saying, does it need a new nut? Do I need to raise the saddle? Um, do I need to glue it? Yes, you need yeah, to glue it. It has it. to be glued. So, <laughs> you got it. Um, but there's no, there's no lazy way to do this. This has to be done right. Mm. You have to, you know, because people will say this to me like, well, I, I flex the neck and there's no movement. They didn't take off the strings. They didn't loosen the truss rod all the way. And they're expecting a little bit of flex. You got to take off the strings. Dang it. You got to loosen the truss rod all the way. And then furthermore, you're going to have to open that crack up just enough to slip um, sandpaper in there. Oh, really? You got to prep that surface because it's, I guarantee you, it's glued on there with something like, aliphatic resin like mm -hmm. a tight bond mm -hmm. you know so uh if you try to glue it the the new glue and the old glue it are just not going to work together not going to happen so you've got to prep the surface and the only way to do that is by sanding it wow so that you've got fresh wood on fresh wood right yeah so it has to be glued has to be glued right and uh then after the fact, it could be touched up a little bit by somebody who knows how if you wanted to go that route. But that's what needs to happen there. There's no shortcut. And I think you're right in kind of inferring that that's, this is what people want. They want a, a shortcut or tell me that there's an easy way. But yeah. no, not with this, huh? No, because it, if you, what'll happen if you just try to squeeze some glue in there and clamp it, it's just going to pop off again because you can't glue the that bond new glue yeah. to the old glue. Huh. It has to be a wood, fresh wood surface for the well, wood glue to work. Yep. Face it squarely head on. Yeah. Gotta do it. Unfortunately, that's my answer. Thank you good, so much. Good question. For good writing in. Yeah, and good pictures too. Who was that from? Jake? I think that's right. Jake. I didn't see. All I right. think that's right. That was from Jake. Let me try this one. Hi, Eric. Wondering if you saw the guy on YouTube and Instagram who put bone frets on an old Japanese-made Les Paul copy. Hmm. He goes by MRKT. I don't know if that's, you know, I don't know how to do these things. Yeah. Yeah. And he's in Kiev, Ukraine with Tadika Guitar Repair. I thought it was well done and very interesting. And the sound was indeed unique. Check it out if you haven't already, and I would love to hear your thoughts. That does sound interesting. His description of the video reads as following. If a metal nut is placed on guitars to make the sound of open and pressed strings uniform, how about doing the opposite and putting in bone frets? 
Back in the 19th century, bone frets were widely used on stringed instruments. Until the beginning of the 20th, they were replaced by the usual metal, flat, metal frets. Also, I was interested to know how to work with them, how long they will serve, and how long they, f- and how they feel in my hands. So I gathered my strength, I like this, and did what I did with this old guitar. I'm sharing the result of my work with you. Did he send you a picture of this thing? No. You got bone bone frets, man. He says, love the show, Jeff, in Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> I left you hanging. I apologize. Uh, yep. Jeff, I did see it, and it was. I thought it was really interesting. He, I saw it on Instagram. I think his Instagram handle is MRK1T, and on YouTube it's MRKT. You can look it up, dear listener, if you so desire. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to play any clips of it or anything, because it really didn't sound any, you know, like, if you heard it, you wouldn't say, whoa, that guy's got bone frets. Yeah, he's got harmony between the nut and the frets. You wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, here's the other thing. Yes, it was beautifully done. He did a great job. He really did. Mm-hmm. He's a a really good luthier with solid skills. Now, that being said, why? Oh, yeah. Why? Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's weird. Like a friend of mine, Jeff, said, we're in the age of making content, not making sense. Yeah, we are, man. So... Whether it makes sense or not doesn't really matter. He got a lot of clicks out of that. Right. And really, you know, like, good for him. That was a smart move. He did something different. He did it well. He got a lot of clicks. Here we are talking about it. Mm-hmm. So good for him. He, and he's a talented guy. He knows what he's doing. But I'm not going to be putting bone frets on any guitars anytime soon yeah. or anytime later. It's not going to happen. Yep, interesting. So, uh, I I did think it was interesting, and I thought it was well done, but it is also completely a waste of time. Yeah. Un- uh, other than the fact that it got him a lot of clicks. Unnecessary, yeah. and we're all content now. All of us. Let's try this. Hey, Eric, I have a question for you. Working on a 65 Jaguar. The pick guard has shrunk a lot. Electronics are functional, no need to pull it off, but the pickups don't want to raise, and I'll likely need to bring them up a hair to balance volume. Yeah. Requiring replacing the foam. Yeah. Boy, it might be a bad shape. Usually I'll sand the pick guard inside the pickup route, but I'm concerned that the guard will warp further while off the guitar. Hmm. How do you approach these warping vintage pick guards? Any way to flatten or stretch them? I'm tempted to recommend a repro for installation on the guitar and then mounting the original to a stable piece of three-quarter inch ply and archiving it. Thanks. Hmm. Nick in California. Cool. Thanks, Nick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On these old uh, uh, acetate uh, pit guards, they want to shrink. And what happens is when they shrink around a pickup they just squeeze it and so yeah. so you'll try to raise or lower the pick pick up and you can't even get it to move just hammed in yeah and if you take things apart a lot of times it's real hard to even get it back together cuz the the pickup don't want to fit in the hole man yeah so yeah you have to uh, i will i'll sand them out just to en- enlarge the route just a hair so that the pickup will move freely through the hole and replace the foam underneath the pickup so that it'll spring up and down again. Now, if you were to have that pick guard off for an extended period of time, then yes, you would want to, you know, screw it to a sheet of plywood or something so it doesn't shrink and get out of control hmm. and curl up like a ribbon or something. But you're only going to have it off for... An afternoon at the most. Yeah, let's hope. If if all we're doing is taking it off, uh, replacing the foam, enlarging the pickup holes a little bit, and then putting it back on, I'm not concerned that it's going to somehow shrink a whole bunch 
over the course of two hours. You got to take it off to work on it. And if it's me, I'm putting that thing back on. I don't want to. I don't want a reproduction guard on my cool old 65 Jaguar. Yeah. Not that I have a yeah. 65 Jaguar. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I find that compelling, yes. So, take it off, fix it, and put it back on. That's what I say. But just don't leave it off for an extended period of time. We're, we're, just, we're just spending an afternoon doing this, and... and uh, it will go just fine. That's what I say. Yep. What do you and think? That I like that. And, and of course, he says any way to flatten or stretch. We kind of wish, but that's yeah. But no, it's not uniform. You can't. This is like um, flattening a warped record. Like it's changed. This is nearly the very definition of entropy. Yeah. Like it is not the toothpaste is not going back in that tube. Man. You can't flatten it. You can't. Well. Some pit guards you can flatten, but stretch it, no. Or return no, it to no, all the original no. shape. It's just not happening. No. Yeah. That's a that's kind of a good idea about the mounting it on a substrate. But I like the idea. I'm more compelled by the idea of, hey, this is part of the guitar that you want if you got this thing. Yeah, man. You know, and I don't know what's going to happen in another 50 years. Are they going to continue to shrink or do they like le- reach their limit? Right. Do they shrink up enough that they're like done shrinking? I don't know. It remains to be seen. Hard but to say. I work on plenty of old, uh, you know, it's, like, it's those 60s strats with the three ply nitrate guards, you know, the green guards and the. And the tortoise guards, and they they just shrink, man. They just ain't long for the world. They shrink. Well, and I like I say, I don't know. Are they done shrinking? Are they going to continue to shrink? Don't know. Yeah, they might. Who knows? But that's part of the guitar, and I think that would be really cool if you just sanded it just enough to make it functional and then kept it on there so everybody looks at it and says, I know that is a 65 Jaguar because that is rad. Yeah. You can't find a reproduction that's going to look right. Right. I mean, you, does he say? Does he say it's tortoise? No, but isn't that imp, isn't that implied? I, maybe I implied it in my own brain. Well, that's how it works. I mean, it's it's sunburst in my own brain. Yeah, you know? I know, right? Yeah. Um, the best reproduction guards I've seen are by Spitfire. Okay. They make killer reproduction guards, but it's still a reproduction. Yeah. Maybe only your hairdresser knows for sure, but that's worth a try. I would think I'd be able to tell the difference. Yep. Yeah, and and what a cool thing of beauty that some something has aged and it's showing its its graceful aging. Yeah, but that that's way. that's just how they are. They shrink. Yeah, that's neat. Alrighty, next question. Hi, Eric and Nat. I would love an overview of your techniques and philosophies. When it comes to winding and rewinding pickups, I have always wanted to dive into the world of pickups to broaden my luthier skills, and it might help demystify the task to hear an in-depth discussion on the subject. Hmm. This is just a suggestion, but it might make a good podcast topic. Thanks, Will in Florida. Howdy, Will. Well, you said philosophy. What do you think? Oh, you opened up a can with I Nat. circled it. I circled it right there. And Nat's going to go. <laughs> what would Nietzsche say about pickups, man? <laughs> I, know. I know. He'd say, build the pickup that you want to build the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd have an answer. He, and that's probably good philosophy with that. Well, yeah. Well, Nat actually knows about pickups. You know, I've I've been having Nat. Not. I've been having Nat wind some pickups for me for a few years now yeah is it and you do a great job i tell you here's what i know about pickups it's in the hands of fickle fate sometimes yeah you can't will it well go easy (laughs) i would i would phrase that differently it's it's delicate oh boy it really is it's a fragile operation because you're using you're you're using wire that is about the same size as hair. Yeah, I, like I actually hair. can't see it very well. Yeah. Quite often. Yeah, it's it's hard to see. You've got to get a light shining right on mm-hmm. it. I will close one eye often. 
when I wind pickups. That's probably a good idea. It helps me to see. I could see that. The, the, uh, the wire. But what we're dealing with here is wire that's about the same width as human hair. And maybe not th- as strong. Yeah. <laughs> not a, yeah. Right. And thousands of turns around a bobbin. So it's a delicate operation and it has to be done neatly and it has to be done precisely. And it's tricky. Sure. But it's not impossible. I mean, my goodness, you know, as a luthier, if you've already got skills with all the fine details of like fret work and, mm-hmm. yep. you know, you're, you've been honing these skills for a long time, move on into the world of pickups and you'll never turn back. I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. The more the merrier. Absolutely. You'll need a pickup winder. You'll need a few other things, you know, but, um, I, I printed out a little, uh, guide on pickup winding from Stuart McDonald, and I'm, I'm going to oh. go over it just a little bit here, but, um, this is the little guide that they give out when you order their pickup winder made by Shatten, which is a German company, I believe. Yeah, they made pickups or something, didn't yeah. they? But I've made my own pickup winder. You can too, or you can get a store-bought pickup winder from a, from a place like Stuart McDonald. And, uh, you know, if you have to buy one, it'll pay for itself. I mean, if you can fix a stock pickup, a dead pickup, you know, I mean, I charge a hundred bucks for a pickup rewind. For a fancy one, yeah. So, you know, it doesn't take very long for, if you spend 800 bucks on a really nice pickup winder, it doesn't take that long to, to make your money back. You can rewind dead pickups. You can modify existing pickups. You can... You can actually, you know, add wire to an existing coil. I mean, that's not something that I normally oh, do. It's, that's what it says here on the pickup oh, winding guide. Yeah, yeah, I'm not doing that. Um, or you can make custom pickups, uh, either like of known model, right? Like you can wind P90s, you can wind Tele pickups or humbuckers or Strat pickups or whatever, or you can make your own pickup design. It's not that hard because really all we've got here are magnets, some kind of bobbin to hold the wire in, and then wire. Yep. So um, here's a list of recommended tools and supplies if you're going to get into pickup winding. This is from Stuart McDonald, stumac.com. You'll need a volt-ohm meter. This is so that you can test dead pickups and you can you can uh check the um resistance on pickups you're winding yep you'll need a soldering iron you probably already have one. Oh yeah you know if you're a luthier you probably already have a volt ohm meter yeah a polarity tester is a good thing to have it's basically like a little magnet um that's marked red on one side and black on the other or something like that black and or white and it will tell you what polarity the pickup is magnetically. So if you've got a north-facing up or a south-facing up pickup. So that's a good thing to have. A gauss meter or a magnetometer. That will tell you how strong the uh, magnetic pull of the pickups are. Oh. Yeah. I don't actually use one. I was going to ask you, but yeah. I... Yeah. And I would guess most pickup winders don't. But it does help, you know to diagnose if a magnet has lost its charge, but that's a pretty rare thing. I think you saw that once, didn't you? I've didn't seen you it a few times, that? yeah. I have a customer who flies helicopters, and there's this giant magneto that, you know, just that spins the... Uh, making the, crazy the, fields. The blades, right? Yeah. And he, he threw his Strat in a gig bag back there and stowed it, you know, and the back of his helicopter. I think I vaguely remember this. And yeah. the big magneto back there uh, degaussed his pickups. Just And he went to plug it in, and it was like, whoa, how come my Strat is barely making any noise? And it, and it still worked. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Just barely, yeah, it barely worked, but um, yeah, it degaussed his pickups, man. Yeah. So it's happened. It does yeah, happen. I think it can rare. happen from impact. Like it's rare. It, it yes, hit it with a metal true. hammer or yeah, some, some weird funny thing. Also. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And reorganize all those little atoms. Yeah, well, or whatever is going yeah. on in there. Turn them loose. 
Next item on the list is a glue pot. That's for, or a wax pot, I would call it. Mm-hmm. But Stuart McDonald sells one that's part number 0668, apparently. But a, that's for, yeah. you know, wax potting pickups or for heating up glue. Um, I use an old Fry Daddy. <laughs> yeah. A uh, little, like, for with, home with home the frying, little basket, right? You know, French fries mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. But it works one. great. I just used a thermometer to find, because I want it at like 145 degrees, I think, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I used a thermometer to find where that was on the dial, and that's just where, because it has a dial. You can oh, it is adjustable. turn it up or down. Yeah. It's pretty nice, because yeah. you don't want it like 350 degrees Fahrenheit. No, it would start a fire. Yeah, that's awful. Paraffin is flammable, and it will... Yeah you know, explode into a giant, uh, fiery... That's hard to ball deal with at that's, that point. That's, yes, <laughs> right. It's like a Unmanageable at yeah. that point, yeah. Yeah. So don't overheat it. All right. Yeah. You heard it here first. The next item on the list is paraffin. And if you want, you can add beeswax to it. You can that's, mix them? This is for wax potting pickups. Yeah. I typically... Really? I use paraffin... With 80% with about 20% beeswax in it. Oh. Yeah. It smells like beeswax. The beeswax um, is supposed to keep the paraffin from getting too brittle when it dries. Huh. Yeah, because the beeswax is a little bit more soft. That's a good tip. Yeah. See? Yeah. Yeah, there are some secrets. A good thermometer for monitoring, monitoring the wax's temperature is a good idea. And you'll need some kind of way to magnetize Alnico uh, magnets. Mm-hmm. Stuart McDonald here recommends a C-clamp with a couple of magnets. I have seen a lot of different ways to do this. It can be done electromagnetically. Right. Uh, I know that's how they do it at Lawler pickups. It's probably how they do that at most, you know, manufacturers. Uh, yeah, for sure. I use two giant neodymium magnets mounted yeah. mounted on a uh uh a vice that's made for uh, yeah, like a bench vice that you Yeah. But it's God, what what am I trying to say? It's a special vice for a uh drill press. Oh. And I've got two neodymium N forty four, I think is what they are, magnets. Uh, and they're like the size of Twinkies. Have you seen those sitting there? Yeah, they got and skull got, and crossbones yeah, on I have them a, and danger. And... I have a wood thing that sits in between them, and I clamp the clamp it down onto the wood, and it says danger, powerful magnets, because so I don't want anybody messing with ever it. Ever put anything else in there. Yeah. If you get those closer than an inch, they'll, they'll collapse Forever. into each other. Yeah. And if your fingers are in there, be it would be like... Well, it would be like an anvil being dropped yeah, on your fingers. It would. It would. So I don't want anybody messing with those. Yeah, that's scary. In my shop. And if you're going to do it with powerful magnets, be real careful because those powerful neodymium magnets have hundreds of pounds of pull, man. Mm-hmm. They will absolutely crush your finger. Yep. Don't want any trouble. Not that. So here, here I am scaring you away from yeah. winding pickups. Well, you know, I don't. I don't want to do the rough edges of these things. I just want to, I just like it when they go easy. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to have to salvage anything. Or, But you can use smaller magnets, and I used to. Um, I just like the stronger magnets. I know I'm getting a good charge on my, when I, when I charge my pickups. Yeah. So that's a list of what they recommend for pickup winding tools and supplies. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's, it's there. Uh, so let's say you think a pickup is dead. What are you going to do to like, you've, you've got a guitar. One switch position doesn't work. Yeah. It's still on the guitar, right? Yeah. It could be a bad solder joint. It could be any number of things. So Mm -hmm. as you troubleshoot the electronics, one thing you want to do is check the DC resistance of the pickup with a volt ohm meter, right? Now, don't you have to do that outside, desoldered from the guitar? 
It can you would, check that in the circuit? You can check it in the circuit, but if you're getting to the point where you think it's the pickup and you really want to isolate the problem, desolder the pickup from yeah. the guitar so that all the other electronic components aren't affecting your tests. Mm-hmm. Sure. So you desolder it, check the DC resistance. You should be seeing something in the neighborhood of 6 to 8K if it's a single-coil pickup. Um, not always. We just heard from Ben in the UK yeah. who had a 20K ohm. Yeah, I think they go up like 26K. You know, pickup. crazy. But typical single-coil pickups are going to be in the 6 to 8K ohm range. Humbuckers normally, you know, anywhere from 7 to, they could be as high as... 13, 14, 15. Wow. Uh, if the uh, DC resistance seems normal, but the output is low, the magnets could be weak. Now, that's that's rare, but that's it can rare. happen. Yep. It can happen. Because most of what happens is the coil breaks, right? Yeah. It's, it, for various reasons, you won't be able to see it, and it's mostly, except for rare cases, it's kind of all or nothing, isn't it? Yeah, and in a lot of cases, what's happened is, like in the in in the instance of Fender pickups, which I definitely rewind more Fender pickups than any other pickup. They just have a higher failure rate. Mm-hmm. They're wound directly onto these Alnico rods, and what'll happen is, uh, the pole pieces will start to rust from the top down, being in contact with your sweaty mm-hmm. hand. Right, so your sweaty mitts get on there, and that pole piece starts to corrode, and it goes from the top down. And as it starts to corrode down into the pickup, it eat the corrosion eats into the inside of the coil, so it'll cause a problem on the internal, the yeah, first the, few winds that are actually touching the thing with like are, a yeah. tiny little yeah. thin layer of lacquer or something, right? That's correct. Yeah, they're they're coated in lacquer, but the corrosion, once it starts, if it starts corroding underneath the lacquer, it'll just eat right through it, and it'll zap your coils. And yeah. so it'll start to eat into the coil, and there's really no way around it. That pickup is, there's no other way to fix it other than to cut the coil off completely and start again. Yeah. Um. When I'm rewinding an old Fender pickup and I've got rusty magnets, I'll uh, clean all the rust off. I'll brush it with a steel bristle brush. And then I will use a solution that uh, neutralizes the rust. Oh, yeah. Like Evapo Rust, is, I think, is the brand of the stuff I use. And then you can recoat the magnets with something. Lacquer usually is the preferred thing before you rewind it so but if you're testing a pickup and you want to see if it's uh dead or not you check the dc resistance with a volt ohmmeter uh if it's got a low resistance that could indicate that there's a short inside the coil so maybe it there's still it's still making some connections but it has somehow shorted out within the coil windings or it's intermittent maybe yeah yeah and that can drastically reduce the output. It It's confusing because a lot of pickups that have died will still make sound hmm. because it has an internal short or for whatever reason, you know, it's still making some sound. So it does make it a good candidate for rewinding, though. Uh, if there's no output at all when you when you check it with a volt-ohmmeter, um, then uh, the... Uh, then you know that it there's a, some kind of break in the coil. Yep. Yeah. So you just rewind it. Yeah. Nothing else right. can be done with the with the correct wire gauge and uh, the insulator. You'd like to have them both correct, wouldn't you? Uh, what else can we talk about? You want to talk about? Uh, we talked about rewinding old pickups. Um, we could talk about making new pickups. You know, uh, one thing you want to make sure of, if you're winding new pickups, and either you've made your own winder or you've got a store-bought winder, the bobbin will spin really fast. So it's important 
that it's spinning true. You don't want any wobble. And that's hard. It is hard, especially if you made your own winder. You're going to have some, probably. Um, So that's probably the most important thing to getting a nice, consistent, even, Mm good-looking, tight coil is that it's spinning true. It really is. Uh, The pickup winder that I've made, I use a sewing machine pedal as like an accelerator pedal, like like a gas Mm -hmm. pedal, to control the speed of the spin, right? Uh, Aside from making sure it's true and spinning uh, perfectly, you also want to make sure there's nothing there that the wire's going to catch on. Yes. So the little rivets that that you solder to, Mm -hmm. or any of the edges of the bobbins, you got to make sure there's not any kind of a catch there. Yeah. Ooh. Because if you if you get windings caught on anything like that, then uh, you're going to have problems as you try to wind it. You might not even see it (laughs) until it's way too late. And, you know, um, the pickups, the bobbins, and the the whole assembly, that can be easily skewed. It's not the most precise machine part, you know? Yeah. Um, And so you kind of have to work around that, and there are some some little things that you can do to try to load this thing evenly and more or less uniformly. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah, there, there's some variability to it. Yeah. There's three t- types of wire that's pretty typical when you're rewinding pickups. I'm not talking about size. There are different sizes, like 42, 43, 44. That's American wire gauge mm-hmm. size. Um, but there's actually three different types of the common, th- three common types of insulation that, that you'll work with. The wire itself is the same. It's Internally, it's a copper wire. It's very thin. But the different types of insulation are one, polysol, which is a, uh, a polyurethane sol- mm-hmm. solderable oh. wire. That's a lot easier to work with, and it's also cheaper wire. Now, expensive pickups don't use it. Huh. People tend to think it doesn't sound as good. Does it? Does it not? I don't know. Well. That, that's up to you. I don't use it. I like the good stuff. Yeah. Right? So polysol is easier to work with uh, because you can solder without having to strip back the insulation. The other two types, form var and enamel, that's the insulation that's on the wire. You have to strip that off with sandpaper, you know, a few inches of it, in order to solder on it. If you just try to solder it with the insulation on, you'll end up with a dead connection there. It won't work. Yeah. So you have to sand the insulation off at the beginning and at the end of the pickup. And if you want to test the DC resistance as you're winding it, you have to strip it back a little bit. You have to sand a little bit of that insulation off. If you're going to get a good reading off the wire, you can't test the DC resistance off the insulation. you got to get past that into the wire. So imagine sanding a piece of hair, you know. This is what it's like. Sanding a little tiny wire that has little tiny insulation. You're going to sand it off just a little bit. You'll see the color change. When you yeah. when you're sanding it, you'll well I do I you know you'll see the color change just a little bit. It's like the sheen changes. Yeah, right. If yes, you're lucky, yes, the sheen. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. But that is difficult. It is tricky. It's tricky. And, but like you were saying earlier, you you said, "Hey, Will in Florida, you already have the philosophy and the skills to do this because he can be careful with wood." Sure, you know. And w- with fragile parts and fretwork, and, and yeah, probably you've got some electronics chops if you're if you work on electron yeah. e- electric guitars and the handcrafting skills and things yeah. like that and yeah, um, so yeah, he, I I think he can do that kind of thing. So that's just a little, you know, basic information on pickup winding. Is there anything else you wanted to add about pickup winding? 
No, uh, I think that was good to, to, he wanted it demystified. And I think that would help because it's not any more mysterious, certainly than shaping wood. Yeah. That can move and, you know, the, the different glues you have to use and finishes yeah, and things sure. like that. It's, it's, um, it's a different material, but it's similar kind of philosophy and skills. So, yeah, uh, there's so, a couple things I would say, um, on rewinding pickups. And this is if you're just starting out or if you're an old pro, here's a couple tips that I've learned along the way uh, about rewinding pickups. Before you start taking that pickup apart, draw a picture of it. Hmm. And draw all the pertinent parts of the pickup and how it goes together and what direction it's wound. Right? So you're going to draw an arrow, like, going clockwise in a circle or an arrow going counterclockwise and all the beginning of my arrow will be the ground signal and then it will go in a circle with an arrowhead on the other side so Mm -hmm. that I know from the top and I'll label the picture top this is the top of the pickup this is the direction it's wound so that before I just you know before I start disassembling that pickup I have a drawing of how that pickup goes back together right? and what direction it's wound and which solder lug has the white wire and which solder lug has the black wire. Cause most pickups you're rewinding, they're going to go back in a guitar and uh, they need to be done properly. Otherwise you're going to have phase problems with the other pickups. So you know how to put it back together. Uh, the other thing about rewinding pickups is, at some point, if this is a valuable guitar, like say it's a vintage Fender, at some point somebody is going to take that guitar apart and try to ascertain what's original and what's not. Yeah. So label your rewinds. I have little stickers made. Actually, I print them myself just on a, you know, that paper that you print shipping labels on. I just made a uh, a document that I can print on one of those. And it just says rewound by Eric Daw. Yeah, that's and I'll, good. And I'll write the year on it. And that then I put that little sticker on the pickup after I've rewound it. So I'm not modifying it. I'm not, you know, painting it or scratching my name in it or anything. It's just a sticker. But that sticker lets future people know, hey, this pickup is rewound. And yeah. it was rewound by this guy. And I'll usually write the year on it. So they'll know it was rewound by this guy in this year. It's good information for, you know, future people to have. Yeah, and you're not trying to pass it off as anything. Yeah, totally. Well, that's good. I think that's about it. That schematic thing, I I want to emphasize that um, because of how difficult it is to remember or retain in like a short-term memory. Yeah. You know, the, the polarity, the wind direction. Sure. That kind of stuff. So, yep, that's an important tool. It's so easy to think... Oh, I'll remember that. Yeah. And then when it comes time to put it back together, you go, now, was this, was this side the, was, did the black wire go to this side? Yeah. Seems obvious at the time, but what if you don't come back to it for two weeks? Write it down. Yeah. 15 minutes. Every time I start taking a pickup apart, even if it's a simple pickup, like a Strat pickup or something, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, this, nothing could be simpler. I'll draw a picture of it, label the top, an arrow, whether it's, clockwise or counterclockwise here's the white wire here's the black wire you know this wire that wire yeah that way you there's no guessing when it comes to putting that pickup back together because the last thing you want to do you know if you're rewinding pickups a lot of times you know people will just send me a pickup in the mail i'm not going to (laughs) reinstall it in the guitar somebody else is going to reinstall it and the last thing you want to happen when they reinstall it is for there to be some kind of phase problem with the existing pickups in the guitar Yep. So label it out like a dissected frog drawing or something. Mm-hmm. Good labels. That does it for this episode of the Fret Files podcast. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate your participation. If you want to participate in the show... And, and you should. And you should. You just should. Give us a call. 757-774-8482. You can call or text that number. Any time of day or night, it'll just go to a voicemail, and then we'll use that as part of the show. 
The other way to do it is to go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and submit your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.